Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Bold Believer Podcast. I'm Josh Snyder, and I am excited to be here with you today in the Bold Believer Podcast studio with me today is a special guest, one who will probably show up a lot more now, and for reasons I'll mention here in just a moment, my partner in crime, my best friend, and a person who moved across the country. I'll just let him introduce himself. I'm sitting here in the studio with... Uh, Isaac Danford. Mr. Isaac Danford, and we're excited to speak on what we have here today. Both of us have uh, taken the step of faith, so to speak, and felt led to move out of the state from which we were uh, originally at and where answering we started God's call. Yeah, answering God's call. Uh, we, uh, we were based out of Montana. We both do music. We both are a part of what we're referring to as JSM. It's been growing uh, and, and we've been learning and, and trying to put some things together over the last handful of years and Isaac coming alongside in the last couple of years and we just we're excited to see what's next there. So more to come in regards to that and if you haven't already, go over and check out Josh Snyder Music on Spotify, on iTunes, on YouTube, on Facebook. We'd love to hear uh, what you think so far of what we've got and what we are working on. Follow the movement as we learn and as we grow. But back to the today's topic, the topic of the prophetic Messiah in the Old Testament. I've chosen to call it in the shadow or the foreshadow of the cross. Essentially, the cross was a point, it was a turning point in history. B.C. and A.D. physically were what we assigned history around. It was around the birth and the life of a single man who shaped not only his generation, but generations all the way up till now and and many more to come if, if the Lord tarries. And the cross meant so many things, and we'll go on to speak on those here as we conclude today, but in regards to that moment in history, what do you think the purpose of prophetic foreshadows or little things in the Old Testament that gave us insight to what the Messiah would do or be like, what do you think the importance of that would be? Isaac, you were just talking a moment ago, and you asked the question, What do you all think about the foreshadowing in the Old Testament, and where do you think foreshadowing is in the Old Testament? Drop it in the comments below on the podcast so we can read them and answer those questions to you in the next podcast to come. Awesome. Yeah, the uh, yeah, and if you ever want to want to comment or add something to uh, a review, please do so. We'd love to to interact with you and if you want to find us on Facebook at Bold Believer, you'll find us there and you can reach out that way as well. In the Old Testament though, I believe we have foreshadowing, we have prophecies, we have distinct uh, descriptions of who Christ would be from, the Messiah of the human race. What's the point of those descriptions? What's the point of there being um, uh, descriptions of Christ in the Old Testament? Well, essentially what you'll find here today, I hope, is encouragement and the knowledge to be able to find that the Bible all through history, when it was being, from the time that it was written to the time that it concluded, was 100% accurate. We talked about the the siege and the fall of Tyre a couple of weeks back. That was a good example of there being a very deep and intellectual prophecy that took hundreds of years to fulfill that was so, so, so detailed, but all of those details were met. Why? Because God said it. 
And when we read what God says in the Bible about things to come as well, we can trust that God is a being of his word. But here, let's look to the Old Testament. I hope you find some encouragement, some knowledge, some maybe some education in some of these passages that point to what the Savior and his characteristics and what he would be like. And then the cross, the foreshadow of that cross and his death, his blood sacrifice for the atonement of the world. If you have a Bible handy, please open it up. We're going to be all through scripture as we will be referencing scripture as our premise in which we are bringing forth today's topic and answering the questions of where is Christ in the atonement for our sins and the cross and the foreshadow of that found in the Old Testament. Again, these are this is only what I've been able to pull out and what we'll be able to iterate in this short amount of time. If you have some other passages that you find inspiring that point to this very Messiah and his death and his burial and resurrection, please comment, give us some feedback on it, and some of your favorite passages found in the Old Testament, because there are more than this. But these are just some of the amazing ones that I have found and uh, to, be, to be true and accurate in regards to this topic. So if you want to pull a Bible open, please jump over to John chapter 5, verses 36 through 40. There's just a handful of verses there that speak on uh, giving us some preface of why I'm looking to Scripture. John chapter 5, verses 36 through 40 says, But I have greater witness than of John. This is Christ speaking, by the way. He goes on to say, For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Jesus said, I am from God. I am, I am literally part of who God is, and I am sent of God. And the Father testified of me, not only through my works, as he went on to say, through my works, what I've done. He goes on to say, The Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. God himself, when Jesus was baptized, for example, spoke out of heaven. The God the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We see that God himself proclaimed. Others around heard this proclamation of God on Jesus, and they couldn't deny it. And we go on also to see that, And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, he ye believe not. Speaking of himself, they did not believe him. He's talking to some of the religious rulers of the day who thought he was a lunatic or from the devil. He goes on to say what I'd like to point out and emphasize here. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have eternal life. Those scriptures, the Old Testament is what they had then. Again, the New Testament wasn't, wasn't written yet because that's what was written as Jesus was alive and the years to follow. The Old Testament spoke of Jesus as he said. He said those, those scriptures, those, those same scriptures you're reading to find eternal life. Yeah, I'm the answer to that. I am the equation to that sacrifice that it speaks in the Old Testament of, uh, to that atonement that it speaks of. And we're going to speak on some of those scriptures. We're going to discover some of those scriptures and search those out here today. And the next verse we're going to pull up here just to emphasize this as we start off is found in the very beginning. So if you have a Bible, turn over to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, just a couple of verses there, and read with me. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis three fourteen and 15. We see 
a picture from the foundation of man's sin and at the very beginning of time, the very beginning when men and woman, man and woman first fell short of the glory of God and disobeyed the only commandment that they had. And when they did so, through the temptation of the devil in the form of a serpent, there were many curses given out and a prophetic picture started to unfold. And I want to emphasize the words at the very end here. It shall bruise thy head, the seed of the woman. Somebody coming from this woman shall bruise your head, shall fatally put a blow to your head. You're going to bruise his heel. That is crucial. We're going to come back to what that might mean here in just a moment. Before we do, and before we kind of cap off a lot of these verses, let me jump over here to Isaac. He's got another passage in Genesis that speaks a prophetic message from the beginning. This verse that I'm choosing to read is actually 13 verses. It's uh, in Genesis 22. It says, verse 1 through 13, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, I am here. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto a place of God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God hath told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the steed of his son. Now, if you go back and you look to that question that Isaac asked Abraham, we have the wood, we have the knife, we have the fire. Where's the lamb? Where is it? What was that answer? What did he answer? God will provide him a lamb for a burnt offering. And more specifically, I think it's it, Abraham spoke not knowing that God was going to let his son be 
this was just just a foreshadow of a picture and a test of his faith. But but he spoke prophetically when he said God will provide Himself a lamb. And if you look in verse eleven, it says, "The angel of the Lord called out unto him of heaven, said, Abraham, Abraham, here am I." And they looked behind them, and a ram was there for a burnt offering. A ram is an adult male lamb mm. sent. Abraham laid his son on the wood. Yeah. Who else? Who which else is a is... symbolism of the wood of the cross. Oh, yeah. It's a symbol of what God did with his son as mm. well. Yeah. He sent that. That's a foreshadowing of that. The yeah. ram was caught in the thickets by his horns. This male the lamb. crown of horns. The male ram. Crown of thorns. Yeah. Crown of thorns upon Jesus' head. Yeah is yep. the thickets around the horns of the ram, yep. which is upon the ram's head. And who took our place? Yes, as well as the ram took Isaac's place. Yeah. Instead of Isaac, that lamb was sacrificed. The perfect sacrifice was not yet unveiled, but there was a glimpse into the veil from this point in history, thousands of years prior to the cross. Foreshadowing, Foreshadowing at its finest. Amen. We've got a few more verses and passages like this. There was so much there. There was there was quite a bit in that passage. We probably didn't touch on all of it, but for sake of time and going on to the next uh, uh, place here, let's move on to the next passage we find in Exodus. I'm kind of moving forward through the Old Testament, and then we'll cap it off in the New Testament and uh, wrap it all up with like a nice present and hand it to you, and you can go give it to somebody else. You can go tell somebody else. Exodus chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. There's a few verses there we'll read of a story happening at the young nation of Israel. And uh, Exodus chapter chapter 5, verse 5 through 10 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. What is happening here? Let me give some uh, preface real quick in regards to what is happening. The Passover is being initiated by God through Moses to the children of Israel. They're about to leave the land of Egypt. And God is instructing them on what they should do to keep this Passover. And the very first Passover, if you know the story, was before God had led them out of the land of Egypt. Notice Egypt all through scripture is a picture of the world. So before God took his nation from the world or from the, the worst of the worst, the place of slavery that they were in, he initiated the Passover just before they left. And this Passover represented something amazing. And there's a reason why it was called the Passover. And we'll go on and read about that here as we as we go along. So they were first instructed. The first thing they needed to do was take a male lamb without blemish. No issues, no broken legs, no no wrinkles, nothing wrong with this male lamb. A perfect male lamb in, in, in regards to a lamb. And separate it from the goats and the other sheep. And on the 14th day of the same month, the whole assembly of the congregation, as it goes on to say, if you have your Bibles there, of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it upon the two sides of the posts and upon the upper door post of the house, wherein ye shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh of in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. 
and that which remaineth of it shall the, in the morning shall ye burn with fire, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, this is God talking, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Mm. Man, there is so much in this. I'm going to unpack it really quickly for you. God instructed these people to take a male lamb without spot. Jesus was our male lamb without spot. He instructed those people to keep it until the 14th day and then to kill it. Jesus was killed for us. Why? Well, it goes on to say and explain why he was killed in this Old Testament passage. They killed that lamb. They took the blood. They slapped the the blood of that lamb upon the doorpost, so above the door and on the two sides of their door, on the lintels, for a sign so that the death angel would pass over them. What figure is made when you slap blood on the doorpost and on the lentils of the post? So the, the top of the door and on the side of the doors. What figure can be made? When the blood drips from the top of the door down to the, to the bottom, you end up with a bloody cross. You end up with a symbolic picture of where Jesus hung on the cross for us. Hundreds of years, at least, before the cross was invented. We see this uh-huh. picture, and then beyond that, he tells them to eat this lamb. Not just to eat it and to throw away the remains. To eat all of it, and if you don't eat all of it, burn the rest of it up. Why? Because Jesus was completely consumed for us. His body, there was nothing recognizable about him. He was completely torn apart and consumed, and the whole sin of the world was laid upon his shoulders And that is why they also ate it with bitter herbs. This was not a sweet, amazing meal. This was something that would give them something to always remember what God did for them in Egypt and then truly and ultimately and completely what God did for every single person when he was that perfect male sacrifice once and for all for us. Man, there's just so much here. And again, I don't think we have time to go through every single detail of every single part of these passages we read, but I want to give you a glimpse into the prophetic Christ in the Old Testament and what made him so distinct in regards to what he did as as Jesus Christ, as he walked this earth and lived and died for us and the power of that. Just a small reference real fast to what you just read, because it brought to my head some things that I used to, you know, study on, which is the Holy Communion. Yep. You know, you've yep. got the body of Christ, which was given for you. Yep. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Yep. Like manner, he took the cup. When he supped, he said, take and drink. This is my blood, which shed. was shed for you. Yep. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Yep. Yep. So we need to remember. That's what our holy communion is for. Yep. Our holy communion is for the remembrance yep. that... He laid his son down on a cross for us. We look back to the cross. These people were looking forward to the cross. This was the foreshadow of things to come. We look yes. back with the communion now, when I did Christ instigate communion, on Passover. Passover. That's what I was... Amazing. That, that's what I was referencing is when he did the Passover, he had did the first I communion. I am the completion of this, and this is yes. my body for, is broken for you. He was showing them what was. Yeah. He was showing them what is, and he was showing them what was to come. Yep, his 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 death on the cross that night, and then the fulfillment of this prophecy. Because if you think about that, when Jesus did the Passover, that was a representation of what was. And in that moment, that's what they were doing. That was what was being seen, as well as an interpretation of the future as to what was about to happen to him days later. Yeah, they didn't understand it. But when he rose from the dead and reappeared to them, man, it lit the church on fire. And it's still still running 2,000 years later. 
Oh yeah. All right, I got another verse set of verses here. I'm gonna have a uh, Mister Mister Isaac. Go ahead and read Numbers sixteen forty two through fifty. In Numbers sixteen forty two through fifty, it says, "And came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared." And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment, and they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is a wrath gone out from the Lord, the plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. Mm. And behold, the plague begun among the people. Mm. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700. Beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and said, The plague was stayed. Oof. So what I want to point out here, we see a, a rebellious people. This is a, after Egypt, after they were taken out of Egypt from the Passover. This is just a little bit further on, probably within the, the next handful of years. After they crossed the Red Sea, the Egyptians were consumed by the Red Sea. They cross over, and the people almost immediately begin to grumble and gripe about Moses' leadership and the fact that they don't have certain things that they had in Egypt. Where's all of our fruit? Where's all the variety of meats that we had in Egypt? Uh, I want to go back to Egypt. Sometimes when we are walking out in freedom in Christ, we look back and get this temptation from the devil and a lie from our sin nature telling us that the bonds of slavery was better than the freedom in Christ. And that is never to be true. But back to the point here, these people were griping and they were grumbling and they were going to come physically against Moses and God, the very God that parted the Red Sea. And God said unto Moses, I'm going to destroy this people. And Moses, what did he, he, he Aaron do? What did Aaron and Moses go and do? They went and they bowed themselves down before God and said, oh God, please do not destroy this people. They interceded for the people, but consequences started coming from their actions and their rebellion. This plague that very quickly started killing the congregation of Israel started in Israel. And what was Aaron commanded to do? The high priest of Israel, what was Aaron commanded to do? He was commanded to run out to the middle of the congregation, to the middle of the camps, and to hold this atonement sacrifice out. And what happened when he held that atonement sacrifice out? That plague of which was killing stayed and stopped at Aaron. That plague stopped when he held the atonement out. Christ, when he died on the cross, being our high priest who ran behind the veil, the holiest of holies in heaven, our high priest taking everything that we did, being innocent within himself, as Aaron was in this moment, taking our issues and atoning for them, stopped the curse of sin at the atonement. That stopped the curse of sin. When Christ died, the curse of sin was stayed. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, sin and oh, hell, oh, grave, where is your victory? 
that was stayed when Christ held out the atoning sacrifice as our high priest. Scripture calls mm-hmm. Christ our high priest because he was the perfect representation and fulfillment of what they had foreshadows of, the high priest in the Old Testament. Oh, this brings me to another little prophecy thing that Jesus had spoken to the Pharisees when he was teaching just moments before he had been, you know, before the Passover and before he was slain. Yeah. He was talking to them and he had said something about the fact that uh, his body, his temple would be torn down Destroyed. in a manner of three days Rebuilt. he would it would be rebuilt yep. and pharisees were thinking that he was talking about the actual temple mm. that they were in but in all actuality he was meaning his body mm. prophesying the death on the cross and the resurrection through those three days yeah they did not understand they had their minds stuck in they the were physical so analytical temple, in the physical temple that was built in the tabernacle from the old testament they were so stuck on the old testament physica- physicality of the sacrifice of lambs and of bulls that they couldn't see the bigger picture they couldn't they couldn't think outside the box. Mm, yeah. They couldn't think outside the, what was it called, the box that they had in the veil. Ark of the Covenant. They couldn't think outside the Ark of the Covenant. No, yeah, they, they only saw physical stuff. Yeah. They only thought God was limited to the tabernacle and the, the temple in this time. But there was so much more to these Old Testament pictures, these Old Testament temporary shadows of something to come, and that was in Christ. And when he died on the cross, he fulfilled all of those foreshadows that were pointing to this man. The next story we're going to run to really quick is also about the nation of Israel. It's found in one of their squabbles yet again against Moses and against God. After all of this, after thousands of people died as consequences for the sin that they were committing against God being right there with them, you know, with great power, they had great power, comes great Responsibility. responsibility. They had such a huge responsibility as God's chosen people, and yet with all of that power and all of that presence of God being right there with them, they still said, we're going to go against this guy. I don't, I don't get it, but maybe I would be one of those people who doubted in that moment based on my emotions and things as well. But this next passage we're going to look to is in Numbers chapter 21. It's the nation of Israel coming up against God and Moses again, and something else happens because of that sin. So Numbers 21, verses 7 through 9 says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from among us. God had allowed fiery snakes to come in and to bite those who were rebelling against God. That's pretty rough, but again, come back to the idea that they had literally God right there with them. There was so much power. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw manna fall from heaven. They saw the, the, the quails fall when they didn't have enough. They saw water come from a rock, and they still doubted this God who said, I will be your king. I will be your God. I will. You are my people. And they tried to come against God. And when they did, God said, okay, well, have it your way. Mic and drop. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> not good. It was not good. Moses goes on to Pray for the people, as the passage says. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, this fiery serpent up on a pole, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. The tie back here is fairly quick and to the point, fairly clean cut. Christ was put through the fire for us 
just as this serpent that was made up on a pole to be beheld by the people who were bitten by this curse from their sin. He was put through the fire. He became sin who knew no sin. He looked like sin. This snake upon a pole looked like the very thing that was biting the people of Israel that were rebelling against God. And when it was put up into the air, just as Christ was lifted up above the earth and the people below beheld him. And from then on, those who looked to what he did on the cross and believed were saved from the fiery serpent called hell. Just as the people here were saved from this physical serpent that bit them because of sin. Mm. He was our savior lifted up on a tree, just as a serpent was lifted up on a pole. And just a little quick side note, what is the international symbol of healing? It is a snake on a pole. Why? Well, because this very story speaks of God, the answer. And we did not know that it was a foreshadow to Christ becoming sin, looking like that serpent, looking like the very evil that we were instigating, became sin because he took upon all of our sin, all the sin of the world, and was lifted up in our place. And when we look to him for salvation, we will find it in him. Mm. Ooh, international symbol of all hospitals is that serpent wrapped around that rod. The yeah. serpents wrapped around that pole. Yeah. The VA hospitals wrapped around that pole. Yeah, yeah. All those other hospitals that are out there, the immediate dense, the, every sort of care is wrapped around that. And there's another verses, three verses actually, in First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, that go along and correlate with what you were just talking yeah, about, yeah. Re- about ahead. the physical being. It Read says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Mm. He was that foreordained lamb, that price that was going to be paid. As soon as God looked into that creation, he saw that men would rebel, the, cho- the people that he created to glorify him. The people that he created would rebel. He looked from the foundation of the world outside of time, space, and matter and said, there is a price that will be paid. And because man cannot do it within themselves, I will be that substitute for my creation because that is how much I love what I have made and how much I want them to be with me and glorify and and, and live in, in harmony in heaven with me someday. That just goes to show you also that if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't taken Christ and you haven't understood that Christ is how we become redeemed, is how we get our salvation, we cannot get to heaven by our works mm. or by any price. No paid there's no gold no silver price that we can pay corruptible things that we can pay god to get into heaven it doesn't matter how rich you are in your physical aspects of it but if you in your mind and your spirit is full of jesus christ and your heart is full of jesus and you accept him into your life you'll be saved when you repent of your sin meaning agreeing with god that this sin that i am in is something i cannot 
come out myself. I cannot save myself. I repent. I give myself to you. Make him Lord of your life. The Bible says when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead because he didn't stay dead, thou shalt be saved. You can know today that if you have not and if you have not accepted what Christ did on that cross, the physical cross that all of these foreshadowing events pointed to the sacrifice that was paid for us perfectly and in full, then you can do so today. There's a song by William McDowell that says, I give myself away so you can use me. Mm. You need to be able to repent of your sins, the things that you look at in the world for your pleasure. Give yourself to Jesus so he can use you the way that he wanted to use you. Amen. So I hope we've I hope we've scratched the surface of your mind. I mean, if you can't tell, we're pretty excited about this particular topic. Uh, I'm reading through it, and I've read through it multiple times over at this point, and I'm still blown away by some of the stuff that I read and some little things that just kind of pop out even after reading it multiple times over that I didn't see before. Christ was the answer, and if you haven't accepted that answer, it's, he's there waiting. Do so today. Do so right now. You can, no matter where you're at, you can pray a prayer, something similar to what I will lead you in really quickly in faith. Because yes. again, this this prayer isn't going to save you, but it is the faith in the prayer in what Christ did on the cross, the faith in what He did, His payment, and His resurrection. This that faith will be what saves your soul. In Romans ten nine, it says, "If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead." You will be saved. The prayer that he will say right now, you can out loud pray and ask him, but you have to have that faith. If it's only head knowledge, if you're only saying it because it sounds nice and it's just knowledge in the head, it's not going to do anything for you. But if you take who you are on the inside, your spirit, let pour yourself into this prayer and understand that it is the faith within, within what Christ did on the cross and his resurrection is what saves you. You will be saved. So if, if, you're, if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, please pray this prayer with me. And if you are and you are listening, you are a believer and you're in the household of faith, please pray that somebody else hearing this will accept what Christ did for them and be welcomed into his family. Pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of what you've created me to be. I know that I have wronged you, I've wronged others, and I repent. I agree that that was not what I was created to be. Please come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord. I accept what you did on the cross as complete and total payment for everything that I've done wrong against you. I accept that your rising from the dead proves that Jesus Christ is Lord. Be my Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed something along those lines and had the faith in what Christ did on the cross, you are now part of the family of God and welcome to the family. I want to hear from you if you if you did that, so please reach out on Facebook under Bold Believer or maybe comment under the episode. There might be a way to do that. Um, maybe we'll leave a little uh, questionnaire at the end of this episode, and you can click on that, and you can let us know if you were if you if you did accept what Christ did for you today. I would love to hear from you. But anyway, we're going to wrap this episode up. I I pray that you'll come back next time. And if you haven't already done so, please take the uh, Bold Believer podcast and share it with your friends if you find some encouragement and some some things in it that you find helpful or practical in your life today. We hope that you'll uh, come back next week for another episode of The Bold Believer. I'm Josh Schneider signing out. I'm Isaac Danford. Now go out and be a bold believer.
Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.